Hello, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano. And on the line, it is my pleasure to introduce for you for the very first time, Mr. Chris Sheridan. First time ever. First time, first time in 160 something shows, right? So there you go. Finally, it's about time. It's about time I actually introduced you for the first time, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, a premiere like, you know, 10 years after the movie came out. <laughs> exactly. I'm here someday. <laughs> Mark my word. Mark my words. And here it is 160 something episodes in. It's our premiere. So, welcome. Welcome to the premiere. And speaking uh, of premiere, what yep. we're going to be talking about is, I believe, the very first published work of Mr. Manley P. Hall. So, that is a premiere or a debut, if you will. Uh, maybe all that and more. Wow, thank you for that segue. Excellent. And you said uh, you were saying this this work that we're going to speak about today is from around 1922, you think, right? Yes. All right. So the book in question that uh, Chris just mentioned in a very clever way uh, is Symbolic Essays, First Published Works of Manly P. Hall. Manly P. Hall. So, you know, if you've listened to our show before that Chris and I are both great fans uh, and students of Manly P. Hall, and we both worked, of course, at uh, PRS. That's where we met each other. Chris was there quite longer than I was, but um, he spent uh, a good amount of time there as well, uh, both studying and, and working in the bookstore, which was exciting. And Chris, you worked in the academic program and pretty much in every department around, around um, uh, the Philosophical Research Society, right? Right. Wore many hats. Wore many hats. Uh, so we were both... Uh, alumni of that organization, as it were. And Chris, you actually have a degree from there, which is very cool, which is very cool. Uh, so onto the, the material at hand. So this, we are taking, this is a, a pamphlet uh, that has three sections in it. Uh, we went to the section at the end of it called Wands and Serpents. So, that's, so the show today is centering on the symbolism of wands and serpents, wands and serpents. So, uh, you know, for many of us, the only experience we may have had with wands is maybe seeing, uh, you know, in a movie, we've seen Harry Potter with his wand, or maybe we've seen a stage magician with a wand. Uh, if we are into ceremonial magic or ritual magic or Wicca or any of the earth uh, type earth based religions, uh, most of us are going to be familiar with the wands use in 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 ritual work uh serpent of course is is a is a huge symbol in uh, most religious texts and most uh, symbolic and mythological systems around the world the serpent is a very important symbol uh it has many many meanings we're gonna go over a few of them from manly hall's point of view and maybe throw in some of our own uh, and again, looking at wands and serpents. So the basic idea then that he sets out in the beginning of this book is that the wand, the wand itself represents the, the spinal column, represents the spinal column in the human being. And then the serpent is that serpent power, that kundalini en energy, that vibratory power that uh, runs up and down the spine. Um, and then of course, it also is a, a certain sort of um, quality of, of, of creation, involution, and uh, evolutionary energy uh, represented by that serpent power. We'll get into some of that. Uh, so we're going to get into some of the importance uh, of these, these wands and serpents. This is a fun subject, and I think you're going to really enjoy the show today. Do you have anything to add to that that, uh, 
you like to share about it's kind of an overview -y sort of look at the at the pamphlet before we dive down? Well, yeah, the pamphlet itself was a standalone. Uh, this, what we are referring and uh, drawing from this printing is from the 80s when Hall was still alive. He put his first, uh, I think it was three of his very, very earliest uh, works together in this compilation. And this actual one, Wands and Serpents, was the first. And the full title is Wands and Serpents, The Philosophy of the Thrice Greatest. And he doesn't really come out and say it, but this would be Hermes. And if you've ever seen the Caduceus of Hermes, very known, very popular, very visible symbol in anything medical. It's the staff with the winged uh, spread at the top and the two snakes intertwining um, going up the central rod. Um, you know, the medical symbol uh, is also, you know, a symbol of Hermes. That's kind of where it came from, uh, very much so. Uh, so just to add that in there, that this is Wands and Serpents, the philosophy of Thrice Greatest and He's referring to Hermes. So okay. these are, uh, yeah. kind of like a viewpoint in a way. Great point. Yeah, exactly. So, so in a, you know, so he's laying out the idea that we're going to be looking at this from from the wisdom of Hermes or the Hermetic, Hermetic philosophy, which is the basic tradition uh, that the Western mystery schools uh, adhere to and draw from, uh, the Hermetic wisdom of uh, and the Neoplatonic wisdom of essentially of uh, of Alexandria, really, that was the home of this, and the, the Gnosticism and Hermetic principles, Egyptian principles, and occult principles that come out of that uh, that uh, time and space um, around um, 100 to 200 AD in Alexandria, something like that. Uh, but of course, drawing from the ancient wisdom that goes reaches far back into um, far back into the pre pre recorded history. Uh, and so forth. So it's very ancient, very old, uh, but much of the work from the, from that time period. And of course, in, during the Renaissance, there was a great amount of interest in this work, the Hermetic work uh, in Italy. And uh, those, those scholars, and it had a great influence on the artists, uh, Da Vinci and Botticelli and, and the great Renaissance artists and so forth, uh, because there was a, a translation of uh, the Corpus Hermeticum that was done at that time by the, uh, the, the Medici's funded it uh, and it became wildly popular. And you, you, know, you see these representations of pagan figures and hermetic symbolisms and so on in the Renaissance art, even though oftentimes it's couched in uh, biblical allegories uh, because the church was so powerful. But at that time that you could begin to see like a, a, a Renaissance of, of Greek thought, Greek wisdom, Neoplatonic thought and all of this uh, sort of stuff we're talking about. All right. so. Without further ado, let's jump into this. Uh, so, as we said, uh, you know, he, he first sets the uh, the book up with, with with some symbols. He shows you a couple of symbols of these wands, which are interesting. And he's got a, a one that looks like a, sort of a magician's wand of today, like a stage magician's wand. And then there's one that has a sort of tube-like quality, and it has some some ancient lettering on it. And that is uh, represented from a book from uh, uh, Keys of Solomon the King, which comes from the uh, the British Museum and a lot of the ma magic from from the uh, uh, the Middle Ages is represented in that book and this 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 wand here and then there's a uh, then there's a snake snake wand uh, which is interesting because then it combines the two symbols of the wand and the serpent together. I thought that one was interesting, didn't you? 
Well, I did, and it's also articulated, like um, it, it can move, it can fold, it can bend. So here's something, a rod that you think is, you know, very solid and, um, you know, immoving, and then it becomes, so it can, it really has both qualities, the, the rod and the snake. Yeah, which is really, it's, it's, and what's interesting too, because he talked about how, um, you know, how the, some of these Middle Ages magicians, they, they would actually use this wand and they would bend it so that its tail was in its mouth. And of course that would form the uh, Ouroboros, which is a symbol of eternity, a symbol of, uh, of, uh, of infinity in essence, um, rejuvenation, regeneration and so forth. And all the, you know, the, the interesting symbolism that goes on with, with the serpent. That's why the serpent is such a, a powerful symbol and it's used in so many different ways. Uh, mostly in the West, you know, we've we've come to know the serpent in, in a sort of negative connotation that it's, you know, conning Eve into uh, biting the, the fruit of, you know, the forbidden fruit uh, in the Garden of Eden. Uh, but again, you know, and one of these days we'll need to go and break some of that symbolism down. But, um, you know, it, it's 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 an apt symbol because, it's, you know, a serpent is a, is a dangerous creature. But at the same time, and that's, I think, what this allegory is about in the Bible. Uh, it's both a bestower of wisdom, but it's also it also can be a bestower of death if mis misused. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, you know what I mean. And so that that energy is very powerful. And they always talk about that in the yoga traditions that you know raising the kundalini energy. You know, while it's a positive thing, if if one isn't sort of uh, prepared for it, ethically, morally, uh, spiritually, psychologically, physically, even it would be like putting you know uh too many volts through a through a system that wasn't able to handle it do you, do you know what i mean too many volts of electricity into something that, that wasn't wasn't equipped to take that much uh voltage let's say uh and so you know it can be very dangerous and that's why you know and oftentimes you know the serpent power is analogous to to electricity or to different different types of you know invisible energy and things like that which is which is interesting uh, so speaking of this, this wands and serpents, uh, let's let's talk about uh, the idea in the Bible because I think this is one of the interesting uh, one of the interesting allegories that he points out, points out is is the uh, story of Moses and Aaron. Uh, do you have that that particular section open in Exodus, or do you want me to read that? Yeah, you can read that. I just and before you do, um, before he wrote that, <laughs> he wrote. Um, about he was you were talking about Genesis just to kind of tag on to that um, he talks about paintings of the fall of man the um, serpent is always depicted in the tree coming down the head pointed downward that uh, that's you know that energy of um, bringing that involution you know coming down from a refined into the earthly uh, more carnal you know corporeal realm um and then it's the, the rising up the regeneration the regeneration right? yeah is, is rising but it, it's also important that it does come down um well we wouldn't exist if it didn't come down i think that's that's one of the reasons and that's that's one of the allegories of that the idea of the fall you know in the garden of eden is it's actually this um, this highly spiritualized ener energy coming into physical manifestation or what he called crystallization, I think, in the pamphlet. Um, and it's, it's as if this energy is hardened down into a, 
into a material existence at a, at a much lower vibration, both spiritually and, you know, uh, kind of temporally speaking. And then, then, you know, it's, it's when something is made, you know, incarnated, you know, made of flesh, made, made physical, which is interesting too. And then, you know, then the idea then of, of evolution is, or evolution in, in, in contrast to, to the involution of us coming into materialization is sort of moving into a more spiritual state, right? While we're still here in, on earth. While we're still here. To be, you know, sort of, you know, these coats of many layers needed to be put on us to be able to exist here. But while we're here, one of the goals is to kind of at least psychically shed those off, you know, one by one. Um, before we transition up, we'll already be refined again. You know, it's the winter when everything goes down into the earth and then comes up, which we'll get to. Um, but then that becomes our our task, uh, which is, I guess, leads into what part you're going to read about, Aaron, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, one more word, though, about the, the wand. The wand is also analogous to the will. It's anal analogous to concentration. It symbolizes concentration and focus as well. So it's like there's a there's a hint in that when you when you understand that the wand both both symbolizes the spine it's, itself, but it also symbolizes the will and the desire to actually cause that energy to rise up. And so it's not just that energy though that we're talking about when we're talking about the symbolism. We'll get more into this, but it's also the qualities of higher spirituality, like, um, you know, loving kindness and compassion and altruistic works and, and so forth, right? So there's an ethical and moral dimension to this as well, isn't there? There is, and, and symbolized through something like a rod, a rod or a wand, that it's, it's kind of narrow and pointed, that it's uh, very clear on its direction. It's clear on its direction, wow. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. And that's, you know, and that's the thing is like you're you're putting your clarity, your concentration and your focus on raising this energy, raising this vibrational quality in yourself. And there's a hint there. So, all right, I'm going to read this then. This is uh, from Exodus chapter seven, verse eight through what are we going down to 10 or down through 12? It looks like. OK. The Lord said to, well, let me contextualize this. So Moses and Aaron have been charged by the Lord to go into Pharaoh to demand the freedom of the Israelite, the Israel, uh, Israelite slaves uh, that were working for the Egyptians. Uh, so this is, uh, this is when they go in to, to confront Pharaoh. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, this is prior to it a little bit, and then we get into it. Pharaoh says to you, perform a wonder, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did as the Lord had commanded. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials and it became a snake. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff and they, become, they became snakes. But Aaron's staff swallowed up theirs. Aaron's staff swallowed up theirs. So Aaron's staff that became a snake actually swallowed up all the uh, all of Pharaoh's magicians' staffs who did the same, the same, uh, the same work. Uh, so that's that's an interesting symbol there. Uh, Manley Hall pointed out, interestingly, that that was the idea of really 
transmuting this, this energy into another form. In other words, the snake doesn't, I mean, it, the snake's not specifically, uh, it's not really killing the other snake, it's consuming it. I mean, there's certain death, but really what's going on is consuming it. There's a transformational process going on, symbolically speaking. And, and Manley Hall points out how, you know, this, this energy, this kundalini energy, it's, it's a lot like, you know, he didn't say this, but this is my analogy for it. It's a lot like the force in Star Wars. You can do what you will with it. It can be dark or it can be light, uh, you know, that energy. And so really the transmutation of the energy is a process whereby you're turning kind of negative, dark, destructive qualities into something higher, into spiritual, you know, spiritual pursuits, into, you know, good works and into, you know, peaceful mindsets and into, you know, regenerative uh, types of qualities and so on. Uh, but, you know, the interesting thing is it's, it's the same energy, right? Well, it is. And this allegory also shows how the light uh, destroys the dark because, you know, Egypt was considered, you know, the, you know, the black from the Nile River uh, being this you know, land of darkness or the dark arts, the magicians of, uh, of Egypt, and that through Aaron's uh, snake, uh, rod slash snake, was able to consume the others because it was the light consuming the darkness. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is true in everyday life. Uh, you know, when it's bright outside, you could get out your brightest flashlight in the middle of the day and you really, it really wouldn't do anything. You wouldn't notice it, wouldn't be seen, you're not destroying anything, it's, it's too light out. Um, but when there's darkness, and if it's very, very dark and you do something as simple as light a match, it's like, whoa, it's like lightning, everything lights up. So even a little bit of light can destroy the darkness. And this is where, you know, I think this leads, is, but it's also a demonstration. Of, it was that quality you're talking about that Aaron had imbued um, his staff with uh, that he threw down, that it would have um, this power that the lightness has over the dark. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, I want to I want to read a little paragraph from Manley Hall's work that I, I just uh, I just re refound. Uh, he says, and this is really what we're talking about. In the same way, man's life today is a contest between higher and lower principles, higher and lower principles. When the spiritual powers are centered in the emotions and passions. Man starts into action and the forces that inevitably, inevitably result in crystallization. There's that crystallization again and death. There's sort of a quality of hardness or brittleness when you think about crystallization. Um, you know, and then we think about the light that runs through it. It's like it's, there's a, there's a, it's more permeable. It's more open to the higher, higher powers and things like that. And, you know, there's an interesting idea there. But when he lifts them up through altruism and service, the spiritual fire flows upward and creates the five-pointed star, which heralds the coming of the Christ within himself. Uh, it's interesting because in many uh, meditation practices, uh, the idea of the five-pointed star is uh, when you open up the, uh, the chakra that's between the, uh, the, th the third eye, basically. Um, and that is, that's associated with that five-pointed star. So the idea of when you, you, know, you reach that level of illumination 
the opening of the third eye, it's symbolized, you know, it's symbolized in the star. And oftentimes people have reported when they've, when they've, you know, gone into deep meditations and that they've, they've felt that opening of that, that center there, that they actually see a five pointed star and I report uh, a purplish or bluish hue uh, to, to the, to the area and so on, which is, which is one of the colors associated with that area. Uh, so it's interesting, you know, the symbolism has been around for a long, long time. Um, so you know that's that's a, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting point you can make. The uh, the other thing, kind of going back, going back to this uh, idea of the serpent in Eden, um, and you were talking about that downward, that downward uh, pointed serpent. Uh, that's again where a lot of the the ideas come from of this um, sort of destructive nature of of this this energy. And, you know, there's actually, the interesting thing about this is, you know, Manley Hall mainly is talking about the philosophical qualities, but of course there's, you know, there's, there is an actual physiological energetic component to this too, that's running throughout our body. And that, you know, they would call, which we've been talking about Kundalini, uh, which, which, you know, is a real psychophysical sort of reaction that people experience. And if you've meditated or done yoga, you know, you can probably attest to the fact that you've, you've felt this energy uh, in your own, in your own body, in your own body mind. Uh, so there's, there's, of course, that side to it. And then there's the other side to it, which goes hand in hand with it. And, you know, this is the, the side really Manly Hall was, was mainly focusing on is the, the philosophical and ethical deeds and actions and thoughts and study which in yoga terms would be more like jnana yoga which is the path of the mind where you're actually using the mind to to do this as opposed to like a you know a kundalini or a hatha type yoga where you're doing you know physical poses and meditations and so on you're actually using the mind to to um to manipulate that energy uh, so so those are interesting it's a more probably a more western western quality of that using symbols using you know teachings and philosophy and going deeply into symbolic uh ideas and so on is, is probably the path that we're more familiar with here right right and this um this staff this rod this wand um he goes on to say um that you know from aaron uh, as well as odin uh, both got their rods from the tree of life, which would also go back to Genesis. Of course, the serpent kind of came down from the, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, but this being the, the tree of life whose you know, roots are in heaven and, and branches are on earth. Um, and as we get this rod, uh, it's dormant, okay? It doesn't really have that power. Um, and for it to become powerful, like in the winter, he goes on where the sap, you know, just physically goes down into the roots to survive the, the winter, the tree looks dead. There's sort of a deadness, it's not alive. It's not, um, you know, showing any signs of life, but when it warms up and the sap, you know, moves forth and you know, the sun comes back out, um, we see the tree spring to life. And the first thing that we see are the buds it will grow on the, the stems of the branches. Uh, so we know that this life is brought back in. Well, nature does that naturally, of course, nature in, in her way. 
Um, but we um, have to participate in this. And this is, again, where the ethics come in and also the dedication and the concentration and discipleship, I guess, if you want to call it that, to, uh, to really be on this path. Um, you know, it takes our involvement and like you would cultivate, you know, a garden. Yes, it's stuff grows anyway. And stuff, flowers grow through the cracks on the sidewalk in spite of the city, you know, nature has her way. But when you farm or you garden, um, you're actually helping the process. You're manipulating, you know, the soil and you're making sure that, you know, the sun and the water and everything happens in its right proportions to do something the plant's already going to do, but for it to bud and to bloom and to show uh, in this sense that you're demonstrating the good works, that you've done it correctly, <laughs> um, that you've taken the care uh, to cultivate uh, this new growth. And that's this spiritual development um, that he talks about through this, this process. Yeah, great point. Great point. And it's like, I, I, I like what you're talking about, too. And it, you know, it is, it's a process of, of, of hard work, of diligent work, of, of, you know, bumps and bruises along the way and, you know, difficulties and challenges and so on. Uh, but it's, it's a work of dedication. You really do have to dedicate yourself to it. And you have to, you know, this is where that, that will, uh, the idea of will in that symbol of the wand or the symbol of the staff, which are, you know, really the same thing. Uh, if you're familiar with the, the tarot card of the magician, you see that the magician is holding up a, a wand in his right hand and is pointing with his left hand, is pointing with his finger, and he's, it's indicating a, uh, that he's, he's, he's focused and concentrated on a particular thing, on a particular goal, uh, but he's guided by the higher source. That's you know, the right hand going up into the air. It's, it's, it's showing us that he's guided by the higher self or by, the, uh, by divine mind. Um, but there, but his work is is to be that conduit. His work is to be that uh, that sort of uh, worker for for the Lord, as it were. So you know, we go out and, and you know, for the you know, we're doing our work in life, and you know, we're a representative of that one source that and that one power that we're all a part of. Uh, but we have to, you know, we have to we have to make the choice. It's not easy work. It's not easy work. It's not easy work to get out into the community and to do work. It's not easy work to write and and share things and you know be a positive person and be a, a voice of reason in, in in you know in difficult situations and to try to make a positive difference. Sometimes you know the and then that's where it's like that that downward pull of the of day to day life. You know all the negative stuff you see in the media and so on uh, is is you know, is, 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 is difficult to pull yourself out of, you know, get it kind of getting caught in the, the inertia of that, that whole uh, sort of zeitgeist of modern living, let's call it, uh, is, is, is a challenge. So, you know, you have to be very diligent, focused, and concentrated on what your goal is. And, you know, essentially with all of this stuff, you know, the goal is self-realization. It's union with the higher self. It's self, self, direction as it were so in other words the divine source is guiding you in in a way that um you know you you begin to operate in a harmonious way with the natural order of the universe in essence without sort of gumming up the 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 natural harmony that exists 
you know, you kind of get out of the way, you put yourself in accord with the Tao, as the Taoists might say. Um, you know, but it, 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 takes, it takes work. It's, you know, it, it's like, it's one of these things, it's a, par it's a paradoxical thing, you know, kind of like martial arts, it takes great hard work, day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, exercises and, and work and, and kind of, you know, focus and so on to make something spontaneous and easy. It's a very strange thing, you know, to become relaxed enough and focused enough and have, you know, the natural spontaneity of goodness flowing through you. Seems like it should be the most normal thing in the world. You think, well, look at a baby, look at a, you know, look at a puppy. And you see this like sort of spontaneous goodness in, 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 these, in these things. And then as, you know, as time goes on, you know, the, the, the world gets at us. And, you know, we've got, to, we've got to work. We've got to work to break out of that, that inertia, that downward pull, right? And that's, that's another way of looking at that energy. We have to raise that, that energy within ourselves, that, that, that serpent energy, that, you know, that wisdom uh, up, up, up the spine, as it were, you know, and not just up the spine, but, you know, in, in our daily life too, right? Well, that's the ultimate destination. Yes, it comes up and it, as it comes up, it goes through the heart and then up to the mind and out to our arms and hands and our mouth, what we say, our works and words in the world. And it's a way of still being in the world, but not being bound by it. And this breaking through, you know, we is like the bud blossoming through from the dead twig of the, the winter. Uh, it's proof, it's evidence. And then what happens with that? Well, then there's color and then there's a blossom and then bees come and then there's leaves and then there's fruit that you can eat. I mean, it's the beginning of this whole, you know, much larger process. Um, but to get there, you're right, to go from the cold winter and we become hardened. Uh, we develop a shell over time through adulthood. You have to, <laughs> you won't survive. Um, but it, like the armor of the night, uh, in medieval times, it can protect you in battle, but it also shields your spiritual heart from experiencing true love. And that's where the armor has to come off when he comes back to the maiden uh, and let this in, which may be one of the most vulnerable things you can do. Um, but the beauty has to come through. The flower has to grow up through the crack in the sidewalk. Uh, you know, nature has great forces that come to our aid. Um, yes, it takes a lot of work. And yes, a lot of those miles seemingly are traveled alone, uh, but we are part of this larger force that wants us to do this work and is there to help. But we have to move our hands and feet, uh, at least symbolically, we have to do, do what is ours to do. And that is to direct our minds in that way can i look at social media or the news and uh, and think the best in humanity and what people have to offer well when i'm seeing and hearing a lot of some of the worst people have to offer you know then my mind is going in that direction so take the wand and be clear on where you want to point it uh, but point it to that point it upward if it's a higher thing point it you know to the heart of what's good and beautiful in the world. And while you're mired in all the, the hate and discord and frustration and pain and suffering and sorrow in all the world, uh, you have that direction, you have that 
And if you can blossom and show and shine your light and colors and flowers, uh, that helps everybody. Uh, but it is the work of the magician. It's the work of the philosopher. It's the work of the mystic, the shaman. Uh, and really, it's the work of every seeker who listens to something like this. Absolutely. Great way to put that. I, uh, I also like, you know, just real quickly, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. I like where he talks about going back to the, the staff or the rod of Aaron that you were talking about where it buds um, and it, it, it blossoms. And he said that he says the blossoms on the rod of Aaron correspond to the roses on the rose cross or the lotus blossoms of the east. And by that, he means the chakras. Uh, and then he said, when these flowers blossom forth, we know that our sins have been forgiven. We know that our sins have been forgiven. And then the in other interesting thing he talks about is how at this point, you know, when you, you begin to open these centers uh, within yourself and you, you begin to sort of shine with this, this new wisdom that comes from, from the work that you're doing and the positive deeds and positive actions and thoughts and so on, uh, that you get the attention of Let's call them spirit guides, masters of wisdom, angels, whatever you want to say. And, and these, you know, these, these beings, these higher beings, and begin to help direct you. More makes more, as it were. So the more, you know, your spiritual light unfolds, the more help you get on your path to higher levels of understanding is what he's pointing out. And I think that's, that's a very valid point. And then he also points out that, you know, uh, the more negativity, the more destructive qualities you cultivate in your life, you know, the more of that you tend to uh, bring into your life and you become a sort of target for some of those destructive elements and you get pulled into their whirlwind. whirlwind. And again, it's very much like the idea of the force, it's, you know, use the force loop with, um, you know, with Ben Kenobi. And then you see how uh, Darth Vader is trying to have uh, Luke tap into his hate and his anger. And that works, but it's destructive. It's a destructive use of that same force. And it leads to death and destruction and, and you know, and, and what Manly Hall is talking about in the lower realms, you know, development of the lower realms. Uh, so those are interesting things. Do you have, uh, do you want to read this last portion of it before we wrap it up? Because we always like to let Manly Hall speak in his own words. This is very- Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just like that. that last page, right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Okay, when we realize that we are the staff and that our own development is the rod on which we must lean, and we better understand the miracles performed by those who have raised the brazen serpent in the wilderness. When we realize that it is the serpent power which brings to the brain the vital energy with which we think, we also realize what Christ meant when he said, be ye wise as serpents. And we also understand why Christ was symbolized in the ancient mysteries as a serpent coiled around a staff, head upward, emphasis. So let us go through life with a firm resolve to so live that the rod within ourselves, cut from the tree of life and depending upon us for its development, will flower out with the spiritual blossoms that tell of mastership. The end. Amen. Amen. Beautifully put. Uh, and, and it's incredible that he was such a young man when he wrote this book. 21, okay. Just I remember what I was doing when I was 21. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. everything, but I, 
apparently I had a good time. That's what people tell me. So. Yeah, exactly. It certainly, I, as I, I wasn't as, doing this, you know? I wasn't doing, neither was I. I certainly wasn't writing, writing beautiful spiritual, uh, spiritual pamphlets at the time. So really amazing. anyway, we all have our own paths, don't we? Uh, so those are some of the ideas. Uh, I hope that those are those are helpful and uh, kind of inspiring insights that'll lead you to to meditate on these ideas uh, in both uh, sort of both forms of that I, uh, that word. You know, little physical meditation actually sit and, and meditate, but also just to sort of meditate upon, think about, you know, stew stew over uh, these different ideas and. Uh, do if you can uh, pick up symbolic essays, first public, uh, first published works of Manly P. Hall, uh, a great little, a great little guide, uh, very w uh, wise and and uh, and creatively uh, presented material, and it's a great. There's some great illustrations in there, and of course the rest of the book has um, uh, has has an uh, account of Parsifal, and then uh, the breastplate of the, uh, the high priest. Those are the other sections. So. Well, we may go back and do those because they're both great sections as well. Uh, but thank you for joining us uh, on this journey today. Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? I think that's it. I mean, we covered, it's, it's 20 pages, 25 pages in the, you know, in a very small pamphlet, uh, just packed with such great uh, wisdom and, and things to, to ponder. But yeah, the work is our own. Um, to do, and we are working with mighty forces, uh, but we have to show, you know, what does it say? That heaven helps those who help themselves, and to demonstrate that in your life will ultimately and probably immediately bring even more aid and assistance on that direction, so. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great point. All right. Well, thank you all for, for joining us today. We appreciate you guys being here. And if you can, please uh, please support us at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. You can make a, a monthly donation on there. Uh, Chris's book is The Spirit in the Sky, uh, and that's available on Amazon. My book is If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. That is available on Amazon as well. Uh, of course, we are at CosmicEye.org. And you can find out more information on there. That uh, we're actually doing some great uh, work on the site and and updating that. And there's some couple of uh, neat new products on there. We've got uh, we've got some tarot bags and we've got some tarot decks that uh, uh, that I was co-creator on. Uh, so there's a great uh, uh, cat tarot deck and unicorn tarot decks with you know they're they're fun decks uh, with some cute cute symbolism, but they do retain the uh, they do retain the the esoteric symbols so they're you know they're 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 for serious work uh, but they're kind of a lighter a lighter look at some of it so check that out if you get a chance uh, those are both available now those two decks and then there's some great tarot bags on there as well uh, thank you again for joining us we appreciate you guys being here thank you so much who, uh, for all of you guys who are who are uh, uh, donating to us we we greatly appreciate you guys and, and everyone who's showing up so have a great week uh, be safe out there goodbye and god bless